Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to begin to unpack something that God laid in my heart for this house. I'm so excited, I'm so excited to be here and I'm so excited to unpack what I'm going to tell you right now. Everybody say this word, wilderness. Sometimes when we think of wilderness, we can think of it as, as a negative thing. And I'm not going to preach it as a negative thing. Because the wilderness is never supposed to be a destination. Because there are moments when we find ourselves individually and corporately and socially in a wilderness. But wilderness was not supposed to be the place where I died. Wilderness was supposed to be a place that I passed through. And I really believe that sometimes what happens is, is a lot of times what can happen is that Israel, being in the wilderness, that was not God's plan for them to stay there for 40 years. But God will do anything He can to change our behavior and make us more Christ-like, even leave us in the wilderness if that's what it takes. But what I've noticed as I've traveled, now Melian and I were, uh, because I, I asked them in the green room, when was the last time we were here? And they said the beginning of January 20, and now I recall that's true, because I had a hard time finding Dinuba in the fog, you know what I'm saying. This morning I went to Starbucks and I got lost in the Walmart parking lot, you know, so, <laughs> so I was driving around and I, then I stuck my head out the window. Oh yes, I'm from Exeter. That's what you do. You stick your head out the window and you, and you follow the, follow the lines. And so anyway, anyway, um, back in, back last year, Basically, we were just home April. That was the only month where we didn't travel. But God has been so good. But what I've learned over this last year and a half is that we can't survive on theory. Our faith cannot be based on theory. It has to be based on experience. Because if my, if my commitment or my relationship with Christ is just based on theory, then what's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen? What happens when I go into the wilderness? I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're gonna, I'm gonna touch on that particular ver, verse in chapter 1, 2, and 3. I'm going to quote then, I'm going to quote Matthew 4, 4, which Jesus quotes out of, out of Deuteronomy 8, 3. And then we're going to go in, I'm going to spend the rest of the, the message on Matthew 15, 21 through 28. But let's, let me read the word of the Lord. Here's what it says. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe. That you may live and multiply. Everybody say live and multiply. There's something you have to understand about the heart of God. The heart of God wants people to live and multiply. And then he goes on to say that, and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Say 40 years in the wilderness. That's a long time. That is a very, very long time to be in the wilderness. And I am, I am committed. I'm not going to stay 40 minutes in the wilderness, let alone 40 years in the wilderness. 
And there may be some people in this room that you've been in a wilderness season. And today, God's going to bring a word to you to bring you out of your wilderness. And I'm going to say this because I know this as I travel, that God is not in a hurry. Because for around the throne of God, right now, around the throne, the angels are singing, holy, holy, holy. But many times in the church service, we're going around the throne saying, hurry, hurry, hurry. God's not in a hurry. And then what he says, to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. Comma. Then I'm going to quote now the, what Jesus quotes this. Out of Deuteronomy 8.3, he quotes it in the New Testament when he's fighting the enemy. And he makes this statement. Because man does not live upon bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know what? I want to say this to this house. Man doesn't live based on what the doctor says. Man does not live based on what the culture says. Man does not live based on what the CDC says or the health official says. Man does not live by what the political atmosphere says. Man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The reason you're sitting here this morning is not because you're nice people. It's because we don't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. The reason I stand up here with the microphone is because we live off every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Is there anybody here that believes what God says and what proceeds out of his mouth? Can I see an amen right now? I'm healed by what proceeds out of his mouth. I'm saved by what proceeds out of his mouth. I'm delivered by what proceeds out of God's mouth. I'm blessed by what proceeds out of God's mouth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because what proceeds out of God's mouth is my life source. Because I want to tell you, I want you to turn now all the way over to the New Testament because I want to share a very familiar story with you out of Matthew 15, starting in verse 21. And here's what it says. It says these beautiful words. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out. Is there a cry in Dinuba? Is there a cry? She's crying out in her wilderness. Crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed. I'm going to stop right there. Before I go on, I want to tell you something. There's a difference between being demon oppressed and demon possessed. Nobody in this room is demon-possessed because if you were demon-possessed, as soon as our brother and our sister began to sing, 
you'd have been out of here. But there are people that are demon oppressed. There's a difference. Because I believe that demons make people sick. I believe that demons make people depressed. I believe that demons attack our finances and attack our family and attack our relationships. But when the Bible begins to, to tell us that this young lady, this, this, this daughter of this woman, this Canaanite woman, is demon-possessed, that's entirely something else. What is happening is that particular a person who is demon-possessed is no longer conscious of what they do. Something other than themselves is controlling them. They're controlling their actions. They're controlling their speech. They're controlling their behavior. So that means that this particular young lady is controlling probably that home, probably that region, probably that area. And that mother, that mother has had enough. She can't live in that environment. She can't thrive in that environment. Because that demon in her daughter is now controlling everything around her. And she has to do something about it. The psychologist can't help it. The doctor can't help it. The CDC can't help it. Nobody in the health department can't help it. The only person that can help it is Jesus Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? She's in a place of desperation. She's in a place when she can't live like that anymore. She's in the wilderness. But notice this. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Now, let me just tell you this. When one of our loved ones or one of our spiritual family, our, our, our family here, is suffering, we're suffering with them. We're walking with them through it. So we're, we, we're, we're walking in, the, if they're in the wilderness, we're in the wilderness with them. And she goes to Jesus crying out because she knows who Jesus is, what he can do, and she knows his character. He's filled with empathy and compassion. He's filled with love. He's filled with healing. He's filled with life. And here she is, ladies and gentlemen, crying out. But the Bible says, Jesus did not answer a word. What do you do with that? Because now God's silent. But ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you, how many in this room honestly would say, you've cried out to God, but you haven't heard anything? Raise your hand. It happens to us all the time. Please hear me what I'm going to tell you. Sometimes it's very, very easy for us to misinterpret the silence as a sign of him saying no. Silence doesn't necessarily mean he's saying no. And I have seen over the years and over my life, where people have taken silence as a sign to say it's not God's will to be healed. Because if it's God's will, He would have spoke and it would have been done. But let me say this to you. There is somebody in this room that needs to hear this. The silence that you, the, the silence that you feel is not God telling you that I'm not going to do the miracle. 
Because if this woman would have taken silence as the, uh, and put a period on it, guess what she would have done? She would have gone home and her daughter would be still demon-possessed. But here's what God does. God uses the silence to drive us deeper into the wilderness. Are you going to press in more? Are you going to, are you going to, are you going to serve more? Are you going to worship more? Are you going to serve God more in the midst of the silence? Because anybody can serve God when he's talking all the time. But how about when he's not speaking? And sometimes we can misinterpret it. His silence is, oh, what have I done to deserve this? When the reality is this, you have done nothing. I am testing you in the silence. Now notice this. So now she cried out. Now she doesn't hear anything from the Lord. But then notice what happens next. She's in the wilderness. Because sometimes what we can do is when there is silence, we can detach ourselves from the bigger picture. Because man doesn't live upon bread alone. Man does not live upon silence. But every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Oh, come on, church. I'm not leaving until I get a word. I'm not, I'm not leaving church till I get a word. I'm not leaving God's house. I'm not leaving God's prayer. I'm not leaving God's presence until I get a word from God. But now, notice what happens. So, his disciples come to him and urge him, send her away. For she keeps crying out after us. Now, let's stop right there. Here are the disciples, your disciples, those that you are here this morning. Can you imagine? You came to this church with a need. And then the leadership told Pastor Angel, can you tell this woman to leave? She keeps crying out. Let's get the ushers and take you out. She keeps, she keeps, she keeps making a scene because she wants us to pray for her daughter, and we don't have time to do that. We've got too many other things on our plate. I can tell you right now, you would never want to come back. Come on. Because these people here don't care about my need and my family. Who would want to be a part of a church? Because here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. The reality is I found out in life, sometimes people don't care. But man does not live upon bread alone. But every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. But if I allow the indifference of the disciples to determine what I'm going to do, because I don't live off of indifference. I don't live off of silence. I live off every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. Because there are moments in the relationship with life and people that they seem not to care about our individual needs. Am I here because someone cares, or am I here because I want the presence of God? Because sometimes people won't care, but I've got to rise above that, because otherwise I'll stay in the wilderness. But now, so here it is. got the silence. got the indifference of the disciples. So now, notice what happens here. He answers. Praise Jesus, you're going to answer. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. 
Now, I'm going to touch a subject that most people are afraid to touch. That's a racial statement. That's a racial statement because she's a Canaanite woman. She's from the wrong race. She's got the wrong color. And what he's saying, I'm not sent to you. I'm only sent to the Jews. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you. I realize, I realize that when you talk about somebody's race, that's a very, very sensitive subject right now. Because any, any thing you say about somebody's race is taken over. You know what? Let me just tell you. I don't live by my race. I live by every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Just because I'm a hillbilly from Exeter doesn't mean, are you hearing, you know what I'm saying? I don't live by my race. My race does not define me. My race is not who I am. You may be Hispanic, you may be a hillbilly, you may be a, a Filipino, you may be who knows what. You know what I'm saying? But the bottom line is man does not live upon their race. That means I'm going to not put my race to be the thing that I worship. I worship God Almighty. And because I worship God Almighty. So here you are. Here you are because now Jesus is rejecting her. Because of something she can't do. Because none of us can do anything about our race. We are, we are, we are created in, by the, in, in the image and likeness of God. And God has chosen the color of our skin and the race that we are. God has chosen that. And now he attacks it. And here's what's happened culturally. Right now. Right now. Now, none of us should put down anybody for the color of their skin. Or their race, or their language, or their indifference. And yes, there needs to be a cultural reform, and I'm so glad for that. But, here's the thing. That's not the primary way I find my identity. Because if I allow my race to be above the word of the Lord, then I will stay in the wilderness offended and hurt and broken and angry, and I will never come up out of the wilderness. So here's it. She's gotten silence. She's gotten indifference. She's gotten rejected. What do you do with that? Now, I want to say something to you. Why did Israel, the majority of Israel, die in the wilderness? I'll tell you why they died. Because they rebelled in their wilderness. Because sometimes when things are going well for us, we're good. But when we find ourselves in a wilderness season, it's easy to rebel. God, why did you allow that? Lord, we're tired of this manna. We had leeks and cucumbers in Egypt. They rebelled against this in the wilderness. So here this woman is in the wilderness. She got silence. She's got a demon-possessed daughter. She's got indifference. She's been a racial statement. She's rejected by God at this point. She's in the wilderness. But she doesn't rebel. You know what she does? She does what Every person in this room needs to do. 
she got on her knees and said, Lord, help me. Is there anybody in this room so hungry for God to do a miracle in your situation that no matter if there's indifference or rejection or silence, I'm still going to get on my knees and I'm still going to worship God and I'm still going to cry out, God, help me. Because man does not live upon bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Come on. And so now, here's what happens. Now you would think that Jesus is going to respond to her worship. Because now she's not rebelling. She's not rebelling when she doesn't get the answer she wants. She's not rebelling when the church is indifferent towards her need. She's not rebelling in the silence. And here's what she, here's what he said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. So here's what I'm going to do. This is what the Lord says. First of all, you gave me the silent treatment. Your disciples told me to leave. You rejected me because of my race. I get on my knees and I worship you. And now you call me a dog. I'm done with this church. I'm done with Christianity. I'm done with all of it. I'm done. I don't like the church no more. Well, what do you like more? Because now he's attacking her identity. But what do I want? Am I going to go back home and my daughter's not healed? Which is worse. Or am I going to realize something? Because I can tell you this. She, up to this point, please hear me what I'm going to tell you right now. We already established that man does not live upon bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. You've got to understand. Ladies and gentlemen, up to this point, Jesus has never said one thing about the daughter. She did not come. The mother did not come for her. The mother came to Jesus for her daughter. Up to this point, Jesus had never addressed the daughter regarding the daughter's need. He had never, everything had been directed toward her. He, he called her a dog. He rejected her. They were indifferent toward her. They were silent toward her. He had yet to say anything about the daughter. This is why, this is why she didn't get offended. I didn't come for me. I didn't come for my need. I didn't come to get something from me. I came to see my daughter healed. And because I know I'm waiting to get a word for my daughter, I'm not waiting to get a word for me. I didn't come for that. Are you hearing me? Because sometimes what's got to happen is we got to get to the place in our Christianity where, Lord, I'm not just coming for me all the time. I'm coming for my loved ones. I'm coming for my city. I'm coming for my pastor. I'm coming for Cutler. I'm coming for Orochi. I'm coming for the valley. I'm coming for the Central Valley. I didn't come for me. Coming to church isn't about me. I've got a need at home. I need a miracle at home. I need my uncle. I mean, I my cousin. I need my family saved and healed, God. And I don't care if you call me a dog or not. Because if get, being a dog is going to get my daughter healed, I'll do it every time. Are you hearing me? 
If being, if being a dog is going to save my marriage, if being a dog is going to bless me, then that's what I'll do. I don't care. I mean, we, we go to the, we, we, we go to Fresno State, they're called the Bulldogs, come on. But ladies and gentlemen, that's very attacking her identity. She's not looking for a word for her. But sometimes we can be, because you've got to understand, ladies and gentlemen, people are so caught up in their identity that becomes self-worship, which is ultimately idolatry, unfortunately. And so, because, you know, I've got you to recognize who I am. And if you do not, if you do, if you're, 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 you're we got to stop being so woke we forget the word. You didn't think I knew that word, did you? <laughs> I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. I learned that word from a college kid. Down, down. I, I learned the whole thing so I could understand. Because, because sometimes you can be so woke you forget what the Bible says. Man does not live on being woke, but every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. You hear? If you're online, I want you to hear this. We don't live by a woke culture, a woke culture. We live by every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. And what's going to proceed out of God's mouth that's going to get my daughter healed, I don't care. I just want a word from God. If it's going to get my life, if it's going to send revival and awakening to Dinuba, California, I don't care. Oh, come on. Yes, Lord. She said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Which is amazing because she doesn't get offended when her identity is attacked. Her race is attacked. She doesn't get offended at the silence. Melana, she doesn't get offended at the indifference. Because she knew that an offended person will stay and die in the wilderness. The reason why people never come out of the, the wilderness is they're so offended they, don't, they can't come out. Because here's what she wants. You don't have to give me a seat at the table. You don't have to recognize me. I don't have to have a front row seat. I don't have to have nothing. I'll just get under the table. Because I want a crumb that falls from your table. See, this is what I love about coming to church. Whether I'm speaking or not, I really don't care. Because what I do is I come to church. Because I've already got my word when they started singing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I didn't even have to come up here. Come on, they could have sung all morning. I would have been fine with that. But because you know why? But I want to get to the table. I'm hungry for a crumb that falls from the master's table. I don't... It can be a tortilla if it's all I care. Come on, I don't really care. I just want a crumb. Then Jesus said to her, Woman... You have great faith. How many women in here have great faith? How many women have great faith? I want all the women to stand up who have great faith. All the women in this house to stand up and that have great faith. I'm not talking about little faith. I'm not going to pack no faith. I'm talking about great faith. Is there some people right here in this house that have great faith? 
You may be seated. Now, hear this. It's interesting that, that Jesus, after this woman goes through all that she went through, then says, you have great faith. <laughs> you know, Jesus never told one of his disciples that he had great, that they had great faith. Actually, he told them opposite. He told them they had little faith. Oh, little faith, little faith, uh, little faith junior, little faith the second, little faith the third, little faith the fourth, little faith the fifth, and on down. Oh, you of little faith. How would you like to walk up and Jesus call you little faith? Sometimes I wonder with people who have been going to church so long. You know what I've wondered? I've wondered the last year and a half or so where our faith was. Because right now we can't operate on little faith. We're not going to make it on little faith. You're not going to make it on Sunday morning faith. Just because you go to church because that's what everybody else does in the family. We need people with great faith. I think I came to the right church. I came to the right place. I think there's people up in this house that have great faith. I mean, you got to, I mean, I, you know, I understand. I travel over the country extensively. We pre, pre preach 25 or 30, 30 times a month. It's crazy. It's, it's the, the, the calendar. And then in the middle of that, we planted a church in Tucson, Arizona. And all the things we're doing, we have an online school. I have eight employees and all this kind of stuff. How in the world do you handle it? You know, it's not because of me. It's because something happens. You've got to have great faith. You can't operate on little faith. Because you know what little faith will do? Little faith will run from anything. Little faith does not see signs, wonders, and miracles and see. It, it, you know what little faith will do? Little faith, when they test you as positive, will say, I'll take, I'll believe that. You know what great faith will do? Test me again. You got COVID in your head. I don't got COVID in my head. She's got great faith. That's why I married her. She's got great faith. You have great faith. Then he says, your request is great. And her daughter was healed at that moment. When I read that, I said, oh, God. She was brought out of the wilderness. God brought her out of the wilderness. Now, I've been traveling all over now for 25 years. And I will tell you this. In my 25 years of traveling, I have never spoken a message on eschatology or what we call end times, if you're not familiar with that term. But as I wrap this message up this morning, I'm going to touch on what I believe is going to happen. So if you have a Bible or you know the verse, I would encourage you to memorize this verse. And I have a book out there called The Song of the Prophet. It's the first book that I wrote. It took me 22 years to write it. But there's a verse in there. The whole, it's actually the entire, it's a commentary on the entire uh, book of Song of Solomon. And this is what it says. It says these words in Song of Solomon 8.5. Who is this? Everybody say, who is this? You know what California needs? California needs a who is this. What do I mean by that? 
Who is this that doesn't get offended when they attack the race? Who is this that doesn't, doesn't, doesn't uh, leave the church when they call them a dog? Who is this when Jesus is silent still comes to the altar to believe that God's going to heal their daughter? Who is this that, that still doesn't get offended at the other people in church when they don't seem not to care about your personal need? What the church needs is a who is this? Because who is this, uh, who is this type of folks operate in a whole different realm? They, 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 you know what? They come to church whether they say it's legal or not. Oh, come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, because here's a, here, 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 you got a problem. I, 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 that's why I'm never, and that's why we never shut down. That's why we will never shut down. Do you know why? Because they can open abortion clinic, but, but they, they can, uh, but they close the church. Something is wrong with that picture. I've had enough. Who is this? And what we need in the church today is some who is this? Who is this? Who are these people? What kind of, I mean, something different that we're not, hey, listen, we don't want to offend people. We want to be honoring of authority. I get it. But what we need right now in America is a who is this? Who is this in the church that still believes that God heals, that still believes His Word, that still believes He does what He says? Can I tell you right now, I've seen, I've seen with my own eyes somebody come in with COVID-19 positive, lay hands and watch Jesus heal them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Jesus can heal a blind eye, but He can't heal a virus. I mean, who is this that still believes what His Word says, that man does not live Upon bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Who is this? Because what God is going to do here in this church is raise up a who is this? A whole bunch of who is this? Who is this coming up? Everybody say coming up. You know what I'm doing? I'm not going down. I'm going up. The church is not going down. The church is going up. I'm tired of people saying this. You shouldn't prophesy this. Oh, people aren't coming back to church since we opened it. I'm coming up. I'm not, I'm coming up. I'm not going down. Are you hearing me? Why? Because my Bible says this. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Listen. What did he say before that? I will build my Church. Everybody say, I will build my church. How many know Jesus don't lie? He ain't, he's not a liar. He's not like the president. He doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. He says, I will build my church. Now, if Jesus built it, why would he close down something he built? Now, I'm going to say something, not to offend you, and if I do, you have to forgive me. When I see a church closed down, this is exactly what goes through my mind. Jesus must not have built it. You know why this church will never close down? Because Pastor Angel didn't build it. He's the leader, and we're so thankful for that. But God built it. And if God builds His church, it doesn't matter who's in office. Doesn't matter who's the governor. Because what you need in California is not a recall, but a, a revival. Recall is not going to change California. 
A recall is not going to do anything. Are you hearing what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen? What's going to change California is a who is this that's coming up. We're not going down. We're coming up. Uh, that's why the church is coming up. The church is going to come up. Who is this coming up from the wilderness? <laughs> Which means we're not staying in the wilderness. You may have been in the wilderness last year, but you're not going to be in the wilderness this year. You may be in the wilderness last month, but you're not going to be in the wilderness this month. You may be in the wilderness now, but you're not going to be in the wilderness forever because you're coming up from the wilderness. You may be having a problem with your kids. You may be having a problem with your wife. You may have a problem with your husband. You may have a problem financially. But I'm going to tell you right now, you're coming up out of the wilderness. How many want to come up out of the wilderness? How many want to come up out of the wilderness? I'm coming up out of the wilderness. This is how we do it. I can tell you this. The Bible is very, very clear how I do it, how you should do it, how we all should do it. I love my wife dearly. She's my best friend. And I can tell you this. I'm not going to come up out of the wilderness leaning on the government for solutions. Not going to lean on the education. Praise God for government and education. He created that. I'm going to come up out of the wilderness leaning on my beloved. The only way I come out of the wilderness, ladies and gentlemen, as I lean on him. That's what that woman did. She waited until she got a word that proceeded out of Jesus' mouth because man does not live upon bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Lift your hands all over the auditorium right now. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. We adore you. We thank you. We thank you for your word that's a lamp unto our feet and a light upon our very path. We thank you, Father, that there is going to be a corporate move this morning in this room. And we thank you for every man, woman, and child. We thank you for those that are serving our children, serving in every capacity. We thank you for your people. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little bit different. Because what we're going to do, because I I wanted to do this so we can have an opportunity to respond to this message. Before we do that, as you can see, we've got the offering buckets up here in the front. Let me just say this to you. If you've ever been in a financial wilderness, I would encourage you to sow. We're taking one offering this morning. This offering is for your tithe and your offering. Also, if you have an offering for for Passion Ministries, John and Miliana, you're, you're supposed to include that as well. Let me share a testimony. As I shared very er- earlier that a few mo- moments ago, my wife and I planted a church. How in the world do you plant a church and you're not being there? Well, I still haven't figured that out yet, but God's helping me. But let me tell you something about the power of sowing and reaping. Back in 
July. It was July. It wasn't June. It was July, Meliana, because I looked it up. And in July of this past summer, this past summer, a few months ago, I got a call from a young man who lives up in Northern California. He's a worship leader. And um, his dad's the pastor of the church. And he called me up and said, John, I can't get Tucson off my mind. And I want to sow a seed in your church. How do I do that? How can I do that electronically? And I said, well, we have an app, but let me call my son-in-law and I'll text it to you. So I did. I got the app to him. And I know his salary from the church. I know it very well. I know what, how much he gets paid. And honestly, ladies and gentlemen, I was uh, expecting 100 or $200. That's what I was expecting. And I was thankful for whatever someone gives. And so 10 minutes went by. And then my son-in-law called me back and said, Hey, you know your friend Brandon? He just sowed a $5,000 seed into your church. I said, oh, wow. And so I just I was on my way. The, the driver had got, gotten us to take us to the church where we were preaching that night. And um, all of a sudden, we were just rejoicing in the car and what Brandon did. And then we remembered. Back in 2016, my wife and I were in Houston, Texas. We were preaching at a mega church there. And um, we found out that John Maxwell was going to be in Birmingham, Alabama. And he was going to be speaking for two nights. And we had tried earlier to get to Maxwell meeting, but we couldn't. And so we, we decided, hey, let's fly over there. Let's, he's going to be there for two days. And so we thought, who could we bring? Now, Brandon's 27, so he was, you know, he was 22 then. So we thought, well, we're, we're going we're gonna to pay for Brandon. We're going to fly out of Sacramento all the way to Birmingham, buy his ticket, put him in a hotel, feed him, and then he can join us with hearing John Maxwell. And we honestly, we made a spent $800 to $1,000 max on that entire trip. But then, five years later, he sows $5,000 into our new church plan. How does that happen? We reap what we sow. Because you're not just sowing or giving. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you're not tithing, you need to do that. I've been tithing for 37 years. And I will tell you this, that I have seen the hand of God. Because I never would have thought. You know, I have a house near the beach in Florida. I would have never, You got to understand, Meliana and I were so broke when we first got married. I mean, really broke. We, and now we're about ready to close on the house in Tucson this Thursday. I don't even know how these things happen. We never even owned a home when we first got married. Nor even thought. But God, but this is how we did it. It's not because of money. It's because of giving. It's because of giving. Because, if, because let me just tell you. 
The way that you get financial breakthrough and come out of the wilderness economically is simply you give. Yeah, I'm telling you, this stuff works. I've been doing it 37 years. Because you're sowing not only in to today, you're sowing into your future. Because every seed that you sow, God looks at it and it comes back. Are you hearing me? Oh, hi, Howard. It's good to see you, Howard. Bless you, man. I see you right there. Bless you. Howard sown a seed into our ministry many, many times. So good to have him here and his wonderful wife. Here's what you're doing. Now, if you need to, if you need to use the text to giving, can you guys put up that on the screen for me for the text to giving? If you're making out a check, you can make it out. Let me tell you something. Here's what we're going to do. You can make it out to Christian Worship Center or, or, or CWC. You can make it out if you're giving cash. I think there's some envelopes. Is there some envelopes, ushers? Do we have some envelopes for those that need envelopes? You can get an envelope if you need an envelope. Because here's what I want you to do. If you don't have any money, you see that beautiful girl right there sitting in the front row. She's 42 years old. <laughs> you know, I, she's, she looks like she's 42. I won't tell you how old she is. Because I'll get in trouble. But if you don't have any money, you can go and ask her. She has a lot of money in that purse. Okay, okay. Are you hearing me? Because I want you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. And I, because I want everybody to participate in something. The secret of a good offering is if everybody puts something. Because here's what can happen, ladies and gentlemen. What can happen is I know this. Sometimes we can get stuck in the wilderness. It's because we look at our circumstances that the circumstances are so huge, the mountain's so big, circumstantially, that man, if I give, I'm not going to have enough. Well, that's the poverty mentality. You've got to break that. You've got to break that. You've got to break that off yourself. You've got to break that off your family. Because God wants to bless. We already read, God wants, to, God wants me to live and multiply. That's God's heart. Have you got your offering? Have everybody got your offering? Raise your hand if you got your offering. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to pray for your offering. And what I want you to do is I want to make you... And if, even if you have your phone, and that's how you give, I want you to come up to the front. Drop your offering in the bucket. Go back to your seat. And if you brought your phone, just come and tap your phone as a, as a prophetic act. That this is exactly the Lord. I want you to bless. Because here's the offering. We're, this is the offering. We wanna, because we want to attach faith to our giving. Because if you don't have attached faith to your giving, then you may not reap the harvest. I'm going to tell you, this is what we're going to... I'm, I'm, I'm giving because I want to come out of the wilderness. Or I want a family member to come out of the wilderness. I, I'm, I, I'm, it's a coming out of the wilderness offering. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I want everyone to stand. Everyone to stand all over the room. Every, everyone to stand. I want you to hold up your offering. When I pray, then I'm going to tell you to come up, go back to your seat, remain standing. Because the worship team is going to end, we're going to enter in worship, and then we're going to respond to this message. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every giver. I thank you, Father, for every tither. 
I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you would open the floodgates of heaven for this people, O oh God. And how you've done it for Melian and I time and time and time again. How, how many miracles you have done economically. Father, you have brought us out of the wilderness economically. And you'll continue to show your hand in every area. Even more than economics, in our health, in our, in our emotions, in our spirit, oh God. We're coming up out of the wilderness in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Bless your people now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come up and give, ladies and gentlemen. Come up and give. God wants to heal this woman this morning. Come on. I don't believe that God wants to heal her. She's coming back the wilderness. Ma'am, if you could just go right over there next to my beautiful wife for a few moments. Both of you. Just stand right next to my beautiful wife. I'm going to pray for you. If I could have the ushers come and take these buckets, if they would, please. That'd be awesome. Hallelujah. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many in this room want to come up out of the wilderness? How many want to come up out of the wilderness? How many want to come up out of the wilderness? In every area of your life, here's what we're going to do. Can we just worship right now? Can we just worship for a couple of moments right now? Just lift your voice, lift your hands, uh, lift your spirit, and begin to worship God all over the house. All over the house. 